0: Hi, this is Gökber Kazeltan of Snapmuse.io, the platform that is revolutionizing the social media experience of millions through blockchain technology. I'm here on the edge of NFT, the podcast that delivers everything revolutionary in Web3. Keep listening.
1: Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn about Snapmuse.io, a Web3 project that allows creators and fans to benefit directly from the value they create together.
2: And what popular restaurant chain serves sandwiches that taste like freedom? Finally, what are the latest Web3 collabs in the works
1: for iconic IP brands like Bruce Lee and Adidas? All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. (laughs) Welcome to the
3: Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it
1: goes next. In today's episode, we feature Guckberg, the head of communications at snapmuse.io, a platform revolutionizing digital socialization. And I didn't say his last name because it's difficult to pronounce, but I'll give it a shot. Kazeel I think we had to say. (laughs) He's a political scientist and international relations specialist, began his career at GRF, an international think tank, for working at a consultancy firm focused on geostrategy, geoeconomy, and geotechnology. In 2019, driven by his passion for innovation and cutting-edge tech, he founded an NFT consulting and artist management company and has since been fully immersed in the Web3 space. Gokbrook also creates videos for his YouTube channel in his free time. Leveraging extensive expertise in music and content, Snapmuse.io is a groundbreaking community-driven Web 3.0 platform that connects YouTube content creators with their fans. The platform empowers content creators to grow their channels while offering fans an opportunity to engage beyond merely consuming content. And for the purposes of the show, we will be calling you (laughs) Gok. Just because you have an interesting pronunciation, which you could say your own name up front so people can get the true spirit of it.
0: So the true spirit of it is Gökberg, Hyseltang, Just the record. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, we were given
1: a lot of alternatives. Apparently it means sky in English. Is that correct? Your first name?
2: Yeah, Gök means sky in English. That's true.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. That's cool.
2: Always great to have someone on the show that is drinking their own Kool-Aid, so to speak, where you are doing some creating of content like us. It's a special type of person that likes to create content for the world. I think we immediately have that bond going on. Of course, like as we're looking at blockchain technology and how to use it to make things easier for content creators, which is a shared passion of ours, um, it's always nice to have experience on both sides, right? Of the process and learn from doing, as opposed to learning from what other people do. Absolutely agree.
1: Let's dive right in. Tell us how Snap Muse came into being. Where did this idea come from and get started?
0: The background story, I love to tell this. It all starts with a company called SMG Music. And we are, that company is the biggest music licensing company for retail businesses in Turkey. When you go to your, for instance, in Turkey here, when you go to your local supermarket to buy some groceries, for instance, when you hear a music. It's more than likely licensed by us, for instance, or if you go to a restaurant, whatever. So that's a 10-year-old business. And eventually, right before the pandemic, we started building on our um, expertise and experience in the music and licensing. We've created royalty-free music business for creators. And this is actually when we've started to work with creators across the board from YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, whatever platform. And I'm actually, as you can see, I'm actually sitting at a music studio because we produce our music in-house. That business, that royalty-free music business is called snapmuse.com. And we accumulated a lot of experience. Again, we got to learn the problems creators face. We got to learn the issues with different platforms, the shortcomings, and also the, the problems that the fans have. And the aha moment comes when we realize that we can actually solve most of these issues using this new technology called Web3 technology. And that's how SnapMuse.io was created. Very
1: cool. Yeah. As someone who's a musician myself, I'm familiar with the music licensing world. I really need to go back. I have a bunch of music that I need to put into the system, right? Basically, I probably got more distracted than I should have because my royalty streams didn't come in until like a couple of years after I submitted my first music and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, ha, I'm going to check for like 50 bucks here and there. Something was on Amazing Wedding Cakes on the Discovery Channel or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very fascinating world of music licensing.
0: We like to do things a tad bit differently. We create our music in-house so we don't buy music. But yes, it is a fascinating world for sure. Yeah, and one ripe for
2: disruption. We talked about it a lot at Outer Edge LA. And conversation continues in New York, where I am now for NFT New York, and was just at a big music event at a recording studio last night. This was the theme of what can we do here to help empower creators? And you know, I know Snap Muse, I O. You guys are stating that you're the first project that enables creators to grow relying solely on fans and empowering fans to do more than watching. So that's a pretty bold proclamation, which is cool. Like we got to be bold in this world. I'd love to sort of understand where that sort of statement comes from and how the platform works to achieve
0: this goal. Absolutely. Let me go back to my previous point, pick it up from there. When I told you that we got to learn the issues, the main issue that the creators face, one of the core problems that was just out there is that creators need growth and for growth, you need funding and engagement. Now, the funding part is a big thing because as a social media creator, you can't really go to your local bank and say, hey, I make videos for YouTube. Please give me a... That doesn't really work. Now, you do have some alternatives. You could consider selling your content, which is not great. We are in the business of empowering creators and we've been doing this for a while and that doesn't really sit well with us. Um, we think that... Creation and creator shouldn't be separated. That's not okay for us. Now, another option is you could create extra content, what we call the exclusive content. There's a whole now business on it. We're not super happy with that either because based on our experiences with creators, based on my personal experience, if you're creating content, especially full-time creator, you have to keep up with at least three platforms. You have your YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. You have to be everywhere all at once and create a constant stream of content. Now, when someone asks you to put exclusive content on top of this, it really pushes you you know, to the edge of burnout. And that's not okay for us either. What we want to do is to give the tools to creators.
1: By the way, guys, edge of burnout. Keep that in mind as another podcast name, Josh. That's one of our...
0: (laughs) (laughs) What we want to do is to give the tools to creators to almost tokenize the access to them. So we want them to create what we call creator passes, which are NFTs, and offer those to their fans. By collecting these, the fans give the creator the funds to invest in their channel. So that's step one. Now with this, of course, the creator does whatever they w- do whatever they want. Start a new channel, create, take a trip around the world, vlog your way through. That's up to you. We don't, you know, that's your money. The fans get to access their favorite creators on an exclusive Discord channel for three months. So there's a beginning and an end to this. It's not like an endless NFT contract. We added an honorable exit, which I think is very valuable after spending a few years in the crypto and NFT spaces. That's that. We want to give the fans access, the inability to, to contact their favorite creators. The fans also get rewards based on their engagement levels, right? We create a reward pool that's part of the primary sale. That's a percentage of the primary sale. And we want to incentivize the fans to engage more and reward the fans who engage more. This is sort of our, the part of Web3 mix. We want to reward people for their time and attention they put, they give the creator.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, right? You know, as a creator and knowing a lot of creators in the space, everyone's looking for that more direct relationship with their fan and that ability to sort sort of incentivize folks on both sides. So it makes a lot of sense.
0: No, I just wanted to say, we don't want to, again, we don't want to give the creator the burden of extra content. We just want them to show up once a week on Discord to chat with their the fans, their core fans. And I think there's a sense of togetherness that we're creating. These Your fans, the fans who spend money to buy your creator passes, these are people who are giving you a lot of their times and attentions to you. Now you are becoming one of the first people who are giving something back in return of their engagement, their time. And the creators get funded without intermediaries. I like that idea.
1: Yeah, me too. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you're building this Web3-style sense of partnership, right, between what traditionally be Web2 creators and their fans?
0: So I sort of touched upon that a little bit. In my mind, Web3 stands, first, uh, removing intermediaries, and second, for getting something in return for the time you put online. These are, to me, two big staples of Web3. Now, for the creator side, we remove the intermediaries to get access to funding. We also remove the intermediaries to get in touch with your favorite creators. On the fan side, we give you a way, we enable you to get something in return for the time and attention you put to your favorite creator. It sounds great on paper, right? I'm just sort
2: of curious how in reality to onboard new users that's what we all want to do here we want to showcase this amazing technology that's available we want to empower creators and there's still a gap between traditional music content creation uh, enthusiasts and in web3 that exists how is that music going to onboard new users and unleash this potential what are the obstacles you see along the way that you're going to navigate around
0: This is a perfect question. This is a perfect date to be asking this. Before I get to this, just to clarify one thing. So we are focused on social media creators, not right now, at least not on music creators. So it's going to be your YouTubers, Instagram creators, TikTok creators. These are our target audience.
2: Yeah, thanks for that. I get kind of impressed by your music background, but obviously that's only one niche of creators and you're trying to support all different types of creators. So. Yes, it's but
0: yeah. I think we'll get to this, but we will be expanding to music creators too. This is part of our roadmap, but we are starting with social media now. The onboarding part. This is something that we've been spending a lot of time and energy, and especially in the last week, this has been like the topic at the office. Now, the big issue with onboarding new people to Web three is mostly technical, right? You have to go over technical hurdles. You have to get a MetaMask. You have to learn how to navigate all these centralized exchanges, how to buy crypto. It's very complicated. And we've seen, I've been in the space for a while, so I know my way around. It sort of seems easy to me, but we've done some product tests. As I saw people struggle, I remembered myself a few years back trying to understand the basics of this technology. We've really been focusing on making that crossover as easy as possible. Currently on SnapMuse.io, as we launch, you will be able to log in using your Gmail account or any email account, and we will automatically give you a non-custodial wallet. There won't be any requirements to have a Metamask wallet. So that's big hurdle number one. Big hurdle number two, if you want to buy anything in crypto, you need crypto, obviously. And what we've established is a one-click checkout of NFTs using credit cards. Looking at our website, you could tell that at face value, it looks very much like a Web2 website, whereas we use Web3 infrastructure. And I think this has been the talk in any Web3 space. If you go back like a year or so, it's that the newcomers to Web3 won't necessarily know that they will be using Web3. They will be using it as an underlying technology, and they will have an easy UX. The team here has a vast background in Web2. And they are now becoming very native in Web3 as well. But I think we're doing a very good job. And, you know, this, this, I can say it very clearly and very happily that we're doing a very good job using the Web3 infrastructure, providing the easiest UX. And I think that's what's going to help us onboard a lot of people.
1: Yeah, very cool. I literally just created an account a couple of minutes ago. It took me one minute or whatever. And I was impressed with that. Oh, there's a wallet address right there under my username. And I'm like, okay, wait, did I connect my wallet? What's this? And I like that it is, I think there's some aspects of people wanting to completely put it behind the scenes so there's nothing there. But hey, you sometimes you have a username, number, whatever, anyways, it's cool then to have that as a nod. And also for the people that are Web3 familiar, they kind of get it. I also like the fact that the email, there's just like a quick email check-in process and stuff like that to get things going. So that's really interesting stuff. So you have a launch coming up here. You've got a Spanish-speaking LATAM and a geographical expansion on your agenda. And we're talking about also going to Africa and India. What can we expect to see going out of these initiatives?
0: Maybe you could elaborate on the question a little bit. What do you mean by going
1: out? Oh, going out. Just meaning like as we get into these different areas of the globe, is it content that's focused on, like you're going to onboard some Latin American specific creators, or is it more like directing it towards an audience? Any partnerships specifically around that? Yeah.
0: Yes. We are preparing for our launch and that's very exciting times for us. Maybe you can tell by the way I talk right now, I'm a bit sleep deprived. We've been sleeping little hours at the time, but these are very exciting times for the entire team. So I'm happy.
1: Yeah, you actually fell asleep for like the past five minutes. You just woke back up. <laughs> and I don't you think didn't you realized that, but we're just, we're just rolling with
0: it. It's going <laughs> to be cool. <laughs> yes, we're starting with Latin America and Spanish speaking Latin America in particular and Mexico. Of course, this comes with the burden of localization, localization, localizing the language of the website, all the processes, all the flows, all the communication. And as we expand to new geographies. This will, We will reiterate that and over and over again. We want to be localized. We want to talk uh, the language the people talk. We want to be able to communicate with them. Currently, we've built our team in Mexico, have started slowly building our team in Brazil as well. We really want to um, create the proof of concept there. And as soon as we get that, we will expand to to, to other areas. And each time we want to um, have a local team, of course, right now, um, the, all the creators that we are going to be dropping are from Latin America and Mexico and Colombia.
1: I spent some time living in Peru and a lot of family in, from Mexico and various Latin American connections. I've been to Mexico a couple of times, but Peru, I've I'm, I'm, I'm yet to see. We've got a great team member with our partner, Hal Labs, who's uh, located in Colombia, and his name's Daniel Foreo, I think is how he's pronounce it. He's been doing our Twitter spaces as well and been doing a great job at that. It's, it's great to be connected there.
2: I'm curious like how you choose your launching areas. I mean, there's a creative boom globally. Right. I think there's different maturations of the creator market in different geographies, always different considerations around that. Sounds like you thought pretty methodically, given your, your background in terms of where you might launch a project like this. I'm just curious if you could comment on that.
0: Of course. There are a few metrics that we look when drawing our roadmap and decide how to go about that. First and foremost, we need a social media usage. This is criteria number one, of course. And in Latin America, it's quite powerful, like compared to, for instance, in Turkey, where let me just say that Turkey is trailing Mexico, for instance, in terms of maturity of YouTube content creators and the market. So that was criteria number one. And number two, of course, crypto adoption and the ability to use crypto is of the essence. That's another thing that we'll look into. And three, of course, is the youth of the population, product like us to be able to thrive, we need a young population and that's criteria number 3 yeah that
2: makes sense and you guys are launching a native token soon called smx and would love to sort of understand how that's going to look and and what some of the utility elements of the token are
0: yes so we're doing things a little bit more differently than your regular crypto project we then this was like a um, this is something that we considered as a team. And we decided that not to launch the token before the project. I told you the team has some deep roots in Web 2. And we decided that it would be better to create create the proof of concept and then launch the native utility token on top of that.
2: Let me just say, I think, you know, not that you asked my opinion, but I think that's the prudent way to go, right? When you look at both the regulatory environment and you look at the need to create more trust and credibility in this ecosystem. It's unfortunately a novel idea when you look back historically at crypto projects, but looking forward, let's give people value and then let's use these token economies to amplify that value, right?
0: Right. So it never sat well with us to sell like a speculative idea anyway. So that's how we decided how we end up going. We are planning to launch SMX three months after our first um, creator drop. That will give us enough time to drop a few more creators and really show that the product is working. And from there, our long-term vision for SMX is for it to become the standard bearer of the creator economy in Web3. Of course, there will be utilities like you will be able to buy your creator passes using SMX on our website. That's obviously one thing. But we also want to do the reward distributions using SMX2. This will en- enable us to distribute the rewards. And in, again, in the long term, once we have, say, 10, 20, 100, 500 creators in the system, of course, we want to bring the brands in the picture too. And ideally, what we want to do is to have the brand, I- like add input in the creator ecosystem to trickle down all the way to fans. And we're hoping that SMX will help us underpin that. How do you keep that
2: token economy stable, sort of the right level of viscosity before you have the advertising component? Because fundamentally, the ability to buy the creator pass well, that's going to surge at the beginning, and then it's going to slow down. So the reasons for people to sort of convert these tokens to dollars and extract them, what are the reasons for them to hold these tokens long-term and what are the staking mechanisms? How are you thinking about sort of creating a token economy that has a high level of utility on both the
0: supply and the demand side? Let me touch on a few points. First, I honestly, for the initial phase at least, I do not expect the demand for creator passes to dwindle. We're hoping and we're planning and we're working towards increasing that. That's number one. Eventually after the first drop, we're planning to onboard more and more creators. So there is the growth phase. And somewhere in that growth phase, of course, we will be bringing in the, the brands in the picture. That's number one. Um, the rewards mechanism is actually one of our, the main utilities of the SMX token. Whereas, say, 20% of each drop is allocated as community reward pool. And that will be distributed to the community, various community activities, right? For instance, you will watch a video from the creator and there will be a code in there you'll input that and you'll earn some rewards for instance right and those rewards will be distributed in smx now the good thing about that is that that smx will be backed in usd because we're not distributing the speculative coin we're distributing at least there's a claim mechanism to be just to be precise whatever like the, the fan is earning is gaining Hundred USD through that community activity, they will be able to claim hundred USD worth of SMX, right? So this is this is this is what we really uh, what we really mean when we say we're bringing real value to or rewards based in real value. We're not expecting that much of hopefully of a fluctuation, right? That we're hoping that it's going to be more or less stable.
1: And you're saying that that example you gave, you were talking about. A reward going to a fan or a creator or both?
0: No, no. the rewards go to fans from the creators,
1: right? From the creators.
0: You say you had a primary market sale of 100,000 USD, 20% is allocated as in the community reward pool. And over the course of three months, this is distributed through community activities that will incentivize engagement, basically.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure you've looked at like projects like Rally and other creator economies and and what worked and what didn't work. Right. I think there's inherent preface when we talk about a token economy that there's a element of experimentation here that's inevitable, but you have these sort of theories and then you're sort of tweaking the model as you go. If you need to sort of ensure the right amount of utility, like you know, major, major projects like Axie Infinity and others in the space have adjusted their models over time to sort of maximize the value of the token. So it's important that everything is sort of experimental in this space and, and you do your best to create value for all the different stakeholders. And that's the the beauty of Web3 that it unlocks this potential.
0: Absolutely. I think this is a space where if you don't evolve, You can survive. That's very important, of course. And every project will go through this. And of course, we've done our research thoroughly. But the issue, for instance, with Rally, of course, they were creating tokens for every single creator, which to us, and it proved to be correct, wasn't sustainable. We will discuss it further if you want. But we've seen all the experiments in the space. What our main value proposition, of course, is our ability to back SMX, especially SMX rewards, but also down the road, hopefully when we have more brands join us, SMX with a stream of real money, basically fiat money. Okay, great. Tell
1: us a little bit more about the roadmap going forward. I know you mentioned expansion globally, any partnerships, artist collabs, other things that we didn't cover or do we cover most
0: of it? This is the time where I should really bite my tongue and not reveal too much because um, as part, of course, we are launching soon in Mexico and we're getting ready to announce our first creators, but I shouldn't reveal them right now. These are people who have 9, 10 millions of subscribers, which is very exciting to us. I think we think it's a very good start. I spend a lot of time, you know, meeting with creators and I'm very happy with where we are right now and with the people we're launching with. In terms of roadmap, We've actually talked about this, but with Spanish-speaking Latin America, the the Spanish-speaking Latin America product rolling, we will very soon turn to Brazil. We've actually started working towards that goal. From there, we will expand towards geographies. Africa is one thing. We're very interested in Africa because of the young population and the need for creators, for funding for creators. India as well. I am keeping a keen eye on Korea, too, because I know that there's a very vibrant creative economy. This is also, at least, you know, I'm, tr- I'm getting this in the roadmap, too. But the, the expansion is not only geographical. We want to eventually reach out to music creators as well. This is our background, too. We know them. We know their issues. We will get to that, too.
2: Cool. Yeah, makes sense. Why did you choose to include them later
0: on the roadmap, curiosity? This is business. For us, it was like a market size issue. Because unless you have like a viable product that stands on solid ground, if you try to start in a smaller market, then little there's a little chance you'll survive. That's the approach we decided to take.
2: Yeah, makes sense. And I can tell that with your background, you're definitely looking around at what's going on in the space more broadly. And we like to ask our guests, Well, you've been following in the space outside of your own project, you know, in all your free time.
0: (laughs) And what inspires you in the space? Right now, what inspires me is the opportunity, the tenacity. I'll I'll start with that. The resilience. Because, I mean, what could have gone wrong went wrong in the past year. And the resilience, I think, is very impressive. And if I may, I want to tie that to my story. Actually, going towards Web3 and crypto was actually a big career change for me. Even happier to see the resilience of new space I've adopted for myself. And this I find very inspiring. Now, I am also very excited for the opportunities. I think last bear market, we've taken another step towards maturity in the market. I think there are projects like us who are trying to build real businesses that stand on solid ground, basically.
2: Yeah. Any particular projects in the space that you respect and admire that you've been following on their journey or that recent projects that have launched
0: that you're excited about? Over the years, of course, I made with some serious people who are very keen on building good projects here. No I won't mention particularly any new projects. But I could give a small shout out maybe to my friend, King of Midtown from, you know, my days representing artists. I know that, for instance, he puts a lot of time and energy and money and effort into building something where people, non-Web3 natives, can actually cross paths with something from Web3 with NFTs, right? I always admired that effort.
2: Yeah, shout out to King of Midtown and all he's done in the space for sure.
3: You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or, if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued, or (laughs) deep-fried?
1: Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore, because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy Blockchain Trading Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely filled with treasure. <laughs> so hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOV for 50% off and start your next block today. That concludes our regular conversation topics. I think we can move on to Edge Quick Hitters. It should be exciting also we get often learn a little bit about growing up in other cultures as part of this process. Edge Quick Hitters is a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. 10 questions. We're looking for just a short, single or few word response, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. You ready? Yes. Hit me. Awesome. All right. What is the first thing you ever remember purchasing in your life?
0: It's a Subway sandwich. The first time I went out with friends, it tasted like freedom.
1: (laughs) Nice. All right. I want to taste a Subway sandwich that tastes like freedom. That sounds exciting.
0: I was young. I, I didn't have a developed palate back then. <laughs> <laughs> did, now did, it, did it taste
1: like freedom because you were able to purchase it yourself or because it was...
0: Because I, it was the first time I went out with friends. It was like okay, big step. That's awesome. All right. What's the first thing you
1: ever remember selling in your life?
0: That's even further back. When I was in primary school, I used to cut these objects from paper and sell those, whether it's like goggles, animals, whatever. I used to cut shapes and sell those to friends until my business got disrupted by the teachers at school back then.
1: Ugh, those teachers.
0: <laughs> then I had to pay taxes or whatever. All those teachers, man, crushing our early
2: entrepreneurial dreams. Like They crushed it, I'm telling you. See, the good teachers need to ask for like a kickback. <laughs> exactly. What is the most recent thing you purchased? I'm just kidding, by the way. <laughs> no good teacher is going to ask for it. <laughs> no, no. There's a teacher out there, like thinking about how to sort of add a little bit of a side hustle right now because of Ethan's bad influence. <laughs> All right. So back to this, the conversation at hand. What is the most recent thing you purchased?
0: The most recent thing I purchased was a an Insta 360 X3. 360 camera, the beast. Only if I you know, get to learn a bit more how to use it properly. That is also great for a house party.
1: Well, one of the requirements of that camera is you have to live in a 3D environment. So make sure we get that thing taken care of first. Should be easy from there forward.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like a nice, maybe expensive purchase. So maybe related to the next question,
0: what is the most recent thing you sold? Okay, this will be a big cliche. Ready? It's the... Culmination of the hard work, sweat, and tears of my friends at Snap Muse.io. That's the last thing I've sold.
1: Okay, great. Next question, number five. What is your most prized possession?
0: That's my camera. I actually don't have it. You know, it's a, it's a regular beginner camera, but it's my way of putting everything that's work, family, friends, whatever, aside and taking the time to create. That's why it's valuable to me.
1: That's great. I actually used to really enjoy just going around and taking pictures, right? Of just anything. I haven't done it as much of late, but it is very fun.
0: Can I ask you a question? I'll break your concept a bit, but can I ask you a question?
1: Nope. All right, moving on to the next question. <laughs> All right, okay.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, go
1: ahead. What's your question?
0: No, I'm just curious if creativity for you just comes like that? Is Because I've gotten to learn that there are some people who overflow with creativity and there are some people like me For whom creativity takes some effort. I'm just curious, how is it for you?
1: Well, for me personally, I would say the creative part of it overflows, whether it's good or not, I don't know, right? (laughs) But yeah, so I generally, I'm naturally personally very creative. I like to create new things, but my approach is like the filtering process where you create a bunch of stuff, but that's what I've learned over the years. And also that is how I address the sort of problem of wanting to create, but also getting frustrated if it's not perfect, or wanting to create good things. The solution to that has been for me, create a lot of things, and then to set aside the ones that you uh, that turned out well to share. You could share the things that didn't turn out well, but people don't care. <laughs> so how about you? Does that work for you? Is that how you approach it as well? Or
0: What got me to push myself to start creating is there was a moment in my life where I noticed that I actually only been doing stuff that people were handing me to do like do this work do that work you know get you know family stuff friend stuff work stuff and i felt like my creative muscles atrophying so i decided to you know push myself to create but it doesn't necessarily it takes some effort still
1: yeah and much respect goes out to people who put the effort to create because it's not always obvious how much effort it takes josh why don't you answer your experience with creative expression
2: all right, put me on the spot. This edge quicker is as quick as going a million different directions, but <laughs> it's, it, this is what happens when Ethan's creativity runs wild. <laughs> I have to sort of be in a creative mood to sort of, you know, I have to have intentional time and energy set for creativity to sort of fully flesh out a concept. I find my creativity comes through interaction with others the victims of that are members of our team that have some sort of project that i'm co-creating with them because i will send random text messages with my ideas in real time so i don't lose them my creative thoughts like fly in and fly out if i don't have intentional time set aside and i think some of the more interesting ideas come from that spontaneity that just happens through conversation and looking at the world. And I can recall some of the more interesting creative thoughts I've had of, have been at sort of random times where I'm just traveling. I'm on an airplane. I'm, I'm in a new city. I'm enjoying some food I haven't had where I get these associations that sort of lead to some sort of creativity around business. I don't put a ton of creativity energy into my life outside of the company. I use that as my catalyst of creativity. Probably TMI, let's keep going.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. Yeah, Josh doesn't necessarily create art or music or anything like that, but he's very creative with relationships and business for sure. By the way, I'll I'll give a shout out to a a new podcast called Tetragrammaton. It is by Rick Rubin, who is the famous uh, record producer. And I know that as part of that, he's looking to explore creativity and the way people express it. He also wrote a book about creativity recently, Rick Rubin. All right, next question, number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital physical service experience that is currently for sale, what would it be?
0: I would buy a house in Irvine, California, and a nice car.
1: (laughs) Nice. And is that just because you've been there and you like that area?
0: My girlfriend studied in LA and then worked a year in Irvine, California. And every time I visited her there, that was the first time I could like dream of a family, like of a house, a car, you know, dog, all that white picket, sense, white picket um, fence stuff.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't be too far from me. So we could hang. If you could pass on one of your
0: personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Okay. I don't want to sound obnoxious, but I think I have the ability to understand people. You know, after spending a little bit of time, I collect a lot of data points in understanding like the people I spend time with. It's un- unconscious, but, it you know, it helps me a lot in life. So that would be it.
2: Cool. a good one.
0: And if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? That's the part where you get really honest. Yeah, I'm too great. I would stop that. No, um, no. What I would stop from what I would prefer not giving it to the next generation would be my fear of things not turning out great or not turning out the way I want them to be because at times it could be debilitating. It could almost be paralyzing, right? Because you don't do some stuff because you fear it won't be great.
2: Yeah, I have this sign in front of my desk at home. Scott Foshauer is a really cool artist in LA that takes traditional signs and uses juxtaposition with different language. And he has a stop sign that he put the word start on. And I have that in front of my desk when I look at it every morning, because I think that is the reality that you're referring to, where some of the most exciting things in life, the biggest opportunities, you get the stop sign and the start sign at the same time. I appreciate his approach to juxtaposition there.
1: Nice. That's a good one. I never got the full description on that one. That's that's cool to hear about. All right, next question. We got last two. Number nine, what did you do just before joining us on the
0: podcast? I've been fine-tuning the product for, for lunch, sorry.
2: And for lunch. That and is, for lunch. Uh, yeah, no, for lunch. lunch, dinner. It's been yeah. a while since last lunch. got
1: to make a sandwich to taste like freedom. That's what you need to do. <laughs> All right, that's cool. And final question number 10, what are you going to do next after the podcast?
0: Go to the gym.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I was checking out your Instagram. Looks like you're doing some weightlifting, keeping in shape. Good, good work, my friend. Good, work. It's inspiring. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that concludes Edge Quick Hitters. Thanks for playing along with us on that today. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's
3: zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, L.A. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does ae's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health fitness and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds oh and keep an eye out for token runners their nft white label marketplace as well as our highly anticipated nft drop boomer nft Now, for all you DGens who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership, not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale, and model of yacht, as well as whether scale model of yacht or actual yacht.
1: next segment is hot topics so let's hit that first one of today is that bruce lee is entering web3 starting with open edition nft from people pleaser okay so the bruce lee estate will establish a web3 presence for the late legendary martial artist and actor thanks to a new partnership with shibuya and nft driven video platform well i've talked to people pleaser as part of the show before. I don't know if, I don't think we had her on an episode, but uh, we released a, a panel I did with her at one point. Very talented artist and great thinker and personality. Bruce Lee was such an inspiring character for me as well. Like I haven't watched a lot of Bruce Lee movies, but I'm very inspired by Bruce Lee, the person and his sort of vision and, and his uh, trajectory. But yeah, this is cool. It's cool to see when these estates make these decisions.
0: Absolutely. And I think the, all these memorabilia especially for people who are not with us in person at least is a good way to do open editions right because there has been a lot of pressure i I don't work with artists anymore but i do keep an eye on that scene too still and i know that some artists have been criticized for doing open editions but for them at least it's a good way to evolve to survive but i think it really fits the bill for for memorabilia with for about people who are not with us right now i like it
2: yeah, I think it's it's a sign of the times too that there's been a lot of conversation at Outer Edge and just generally about the making buying NFTs like a cup of coffee. You enjoy that cup of coffee in the moment. Maybe you remember that coffee time to time. It doesn't have to be something that has this massive sort of deal friction of of you doing the transaction, right? These are .008 ETH, which right now converts to about $15. For someone that really loves Bruce Lee, it's a very palatable purchase as well. And it's cool to see People Pleaser sort of evolving what she's doing with Shibuya and this type of collaboration. I think this is good indicators, good signals of, of what's possible here in terms of that intersection point of metaverse and entertainment and ip and, and fandom so i'm a fan and i do i may or may not have a bruce lee t-shirt <laughs> is, in my is there a slogan on the t-shirt is it does it say be like water my friend i don't think it has a slogan i have to look it up but
1: <laughs> do you have that t-shirt
2: no i don't <laughs> but i've seen it
0: somewhere i'm sure
2: but he's a legend and yes it's a cool one what else we got Ethan
1: all right let's set the next one next one is that Adidas is releasing chapter one of its ALTS Dynamic uh, NFT collection Adidas first released its into the metaverse collection in 2021 December promising holders of the nfts exclusive access to collaborative merchandise and virtual land experiences throughout 2022 its first web3 exploration a collaboration with nft influencer G money who we've had on the show Punk's Comic and Bored Ape Yacht Club as well allowed holders to burn their NFTs to receive a new ERC 1155 token from the next phase of the project and claim physical clothing items. Well, kudos to them for picking some incredible collaborators and also leading the charge in this space. It has been interesting to see. I don't know when the exact moment that shoes became collectibles, right? I remember the buzz around it when maybe back in like the 90s or something was a really big deal. I remember literally a magazine headline that said, your shoes are your life. And it was people were getting murdered on the streets for their shoes, right? So I I remember that moment of like street culture where shoes became super valuable, but it's really grown. I don't know if there was much before that, like the 90s or something where shoes were a collectible thing.
0: I think our experience differ a bit. It's not the same because here where I am in Turkey, In the 90s of course you know shoes wasn't really that much of a thing it it it, it is becoming now especially now that collecting shoes becoming is becoming a big even bigger thing in the us now we're getting drips of that i've been collecting shoes for the past five years let's say ever since i became you know able to afford some uh, some luxury shoes but i do remember how and when they pretty much became a collectible in the crypto space I remember being super excited when Adidas came to the space. I remember being super ex- excited despite some minor controversy when Nike came into the space. Don't look at my wallet because I don't own anything from them because they've always been a bit too expensive for me. But yeah, this is something I'm keeping an eye on. It, it, I think it's very exciting and I want to see how, where it goes. And by the way,
2: Kirk, what's your like most prized sneakers in your own collection? I'm just curious.
0: So uh, last time I was in LA, I bought some Air Jordan 3 uh, uh, Chicago Pirates. So the first time I saw these shoes were, I think were five, four years, three years before, and I had to wait years and years until before they reappeared. So it was an exciting moment for me.
2: I had some Jordans in my head. I thought you might say that. He's one of my faves, even though I'm a Celtics fan. I'm, uh, yeah, very excited. I just coerced my mom to watching the playoff game. I'm going to be heading to Boston next. So on Tuesday night, I'm taking my mom to watch the Celtics at Boston Garden, which I've not been to Boston Garden or a Celtics game back home in in over a decade. So it's going to be a treat.
0: Hey, okay, can I add something to this? I played basketball for a long time. Attending, I attended one NBA game, and this was like, this is a crazy spectacle. It's it's incredible. Like, you know how to do that show there. Indeed.
1: Yeah, beautiful. I'll say this too. The podcast I mentioned earlier with Rick Rubin, Tetragrammaton, one of the first guests he interviews is Phil Jackson. Of the Chicago really? Really? Chicago Bulls coach. And it's fascinating because uh, he's asking questions like, what is a guard? Tell me what a guard. Is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great to hear two people that are experts in their fields talk and you know be, be willing to be kind of like naive to what each other does, but very respectful.
2: Ethan, the next hot topic is pretty interesting. You want to just squeeze it in quickly? let's do it all right companies behind azuki
1: nfts and line friends characters join forces for web3 expansion shiru labs the web3 company behind nft collection suzuki and beans and ipx the parent company of the popular character collection line friends said wednesday they begun Working together, two companies intend to collaborate on content, merchandise, retail distribution, real life activations, and immersive metaverse experiences, initially focusing on the beans, NFT, and line friends characters. Yeah, big players coming together to do some interesting stuff. And of course, a lot of uh, diverse uh, areas, which all these things are getting executed. What are your thoughts?
2: I love it. I think collabs are the name of the game. And finding like-minded folks in the space that you gel with, and then sort of working on bigger partnerships makes a lot of sense to me. These are two powerhouses. And so when you think about it, there's inefficiencies in the IP game in terms of all these one-on-one conversations. It might actually make more sense to approach a big IP partner with a combination. One thing, one insight I've had from talking to brands recently is that brands want to hang out with cool communities. It's not necessarily about that one-on-one collab. It could be one-to-many. If they have a chance to work with new communities, that they expose their audience and those communities can sort of help each other
0: out, I think this is a
2: really interesting sort of signal of what might be to come here.
0: I agree that collabs are the name of the game, especially so this was one of the uh, difficulties we faced along the way. And this really pushed us to, for instance, simplify SnapMuse.io and make it an easy UX is that we found ourselves trying to first sell the narrative of Web3, then sell SnapMuse.io or like Web3. It's easier to grow your community with people who are already in Web3. So I think that's where the uh, the collabs become very valuable.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, one more thing before we wrap the segment, Ethan, I'll just mention uh we will be at Consensus as a media partner, and and then VCon coming up, so maybe see some of our listeners there. And excited again to have uh, Yatsu over at Consensus. I'm going to be checking checking out his talk. He'll be speaking about where the future of the metaverse and NFTs go from here. Maybe see you guys at Consensus.
1: Very cool. All right. Well, that uh, concludes our hot topic segment. And I don't know if you just had a, a quick shout out. We have our shout out segment next. Got anybody interesting you want to give a shout out to?
0: So I a shout out to King of Midtown before, but I also want to shout out all everyone at the team, SnapMuse.io, who've been working their butts off to, to create the best product possible. And I also want to shout out a, a dear friend and a crypto artist, Murat Saiguner, who really Brought me into the space, which I always appreciate. Great. Anyway, should we spell that out? (laughs) (laughs) People want to find it?
1: P Q R S T. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Along. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. That's great. It's always great to share something new and interesting for people. All right. Well, that's a wrap here. But before we go, uh, where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects that you're working on?
0: So we invite them to visit our social media, of course, our Twitter, Discord. Come join, say hi. Uh, we're always happy to answer questions. We are about to do our launch announcements too. So it's exciting time for us and for anyone that's going to be on board. So on Twitter, we are SnapMuse.io. On Discord, of course, you can find our Discord link on our website. And we're always around to help and answer questions.
1: Beautiful, looking forward to it. And then finally, we do have a giveaway, you've generously contributed a cash prize of uh, not the native utility tokens, it hasn't launched yet, but 500 USDC on Polygon that will distribute between a few winners. Just look out on our socials for the details on how to enter and and keep up with everything that's going on with snap views.
0: Anything else to say about the giveaway? Or did I cover it? No, just happy to look out for the
1: community and no beautiful. All right. Well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today and maybe the outer edge of burnout. I don't know. Thanks for exploring with us. That's a callback to earlier in the episode. (laughs) We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. And also remember, we just did Outer Edge LA. It was a huge blast. And if you feel like you missed out, well, don't worry. We do have a bunch of our content, nearly all of it online at outeredge.live. You can just go to the watch tab. All you need to do is enter your email and you could review a bunch of great content. And we look forward to having you participate in that way for anybody that missed out. Okay. Thanks for sharing this time with us today. Be sure to tune in next time for more great Web3 content.
3: The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.